Pastor Mark, do you want to come up and uh, come and minister to us? Great privilege to have you guys here today. And just from our side, we honor you. And we appreciate the road that you have walked in terms of the ministry in this country. And I acknowledge that, you know, there was a, a group of people who made such a difference. And you were part of that. And so we honor you today. Would you stretch out your hand as we pray? Lord, we pray for a blessing on Pastor Mark right now. And that as our hands are stretched out, we too will receive from you today. We pray for a release and anointing that our brother would speak with a sense of ease and a sense of knowledge that you are speaking through him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you put your hands together and just welcome you. Thank you so much. Uh, for Cora and I, it's like coming home here. We really feel so at home. We, we really enjoy the service here because uh, I said to Andrew that the, the worship is so meaningful. I want to thank him, thank John, uh, Sister Pal, uh, a family that, that made great impact in our lives, and we're honored to, to be here this morning. So uh, my prayer is that I will bring glory to God, honor to this pulpit, and power to the church. Amen. So uh, let me start by taking a risk of sounding like a super sport commercial. Because it's less than a month, then the 26 Olympic Games will start in Rio de Janeiro. And people from all over the world will be... Uh, have their eyes fixed on their TV sets following the performance of the athletes. And so I thought it would be very appropriate to, at this time, uh, help you in winter to warm up for the games (laughs) and give you some spiritual truths that would uh, be valuable. And I, I pray that while you're watching the games that the Holy Spirit will remind you of this message because uh, you will see that the New Testament often uses metaphors from sports, like running a race, like wrestling, and even boxing. So the title of my sermon is plainly, Run the Race. And I've taken it from Hebrews 12, and the first three verses, where the author applies the analogy of an athletic race to describe the disciplined life of a Christian. And uh, I want to read that to you, if you can follow it with me. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author And finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now, there are such valuable lessons, I believe, that we can learn from this short passage of scripture. And as I said, the author here uses the analogy of a race. And so I want us to focus on some of the lessons that we can learn. And here's the first lesson that we can learn, that this race is for all of us. 
We're running the race of life. If you're alive, you're in this race. And uh, it, it, I, I like what the author speaks about. He says, the race, not just a race, it's the most important race. And he says, let us run that race. So we're talking today about the race of life, the most important race. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the rat race out there. A lot of people are involved in that rat race. And the, the sad thing is, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. So, so this is something much more important. Um, I once heard about... Um, uh, a speed skater that was involved in the Winter Olympics. And one journalist asked him, because he saw when they were standing on the, on the winner's podium, that he looked intently at this medal. So he asked him, why were you not focusing on the crowd? And he said, listen, when I looked at that, this represented 16 years of my life. That's how long I trained for this. And here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.25. Although the athletes in, in ancient Greek, they competed for a perishable crown, we are competing for an imperishable crown. This is the, not just the race of life, it's the race of eternal life. It's the most important thing that you are involved in. So we are encouraged with the readers of the book of Hebrews to, to run this Christian race. All of us, young or old, um, and, and this is how it's so different, you know, you, you have very few old people participating in the Olympic Games. But here is for everyone, young and old. In fact, I, I read an interesting fact that um, there was a man from Sweden who was 72 years old when he won an Olympic medal. He won the silver medal in shooting. Didn't have to run. But he still won a medal, so there is a place for everyone. So it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. I, I heard this amazing story that someone told about his mother-in-law. He said, my mother-in-law started walking two kilometers a day when she was 80 years old. He says, and today, five years later, we don't know where she is. <laughs> So it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be involved in this. And here's some more good news. You don't have to be talented. Normally in sports, it's only people that are gifted and talented in a certain area. But in God's race, he doesn't look at talent, he looks at character. And all of us can be involved in this race. And I, I want to say this. The world makes a celebrity out of athletes, or sports people. We don't have to do the same. I don't like Christian celebrities. We don't have to make a scene and a fuss of people. God loves us the same. And we're all involved in this race. And so, by the way, this race is not just for the professionals. Not just for the pastors or the fivefold ministry, it's for all of us. The second lesson that we can learn is that this race has been prepared beforehand. God prepared this race. All I need to do is respond to God's preparation. 
Now, I'm going to focus a little bit on, on this aspect. I want to give you different, uh, uh, highlight different aspects about our response to God. And here's the first response. We should run the course that is set before us. God prepared the course. It's set before us. That's what Hebrews 12.1 says. You know, when you go to an athletics event and you want to run, you go to the track where the lanes are already marked out. You don't walk, arrive at the Olympics with a can of paint and say, I'm going to paint my own lane. But some people do that spiritually. Instead of finding God's lane that he set out for them, they try and paint their own lane and it's so crooked. But God wants us to just follow the, uh, the lane that he gave us. Remain in your lane. God has an assignment for you. God has a destiny for you. Don't covet someone else's gift. Do what God told you to do and use what God gave you. In Ephesians 2 uh, verse 10 in the Amplified, Paul speaks about these paths, these tracks that God already prepared in advance. And he says that he prepared good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. So there's a lane, there's an assignment, there's a ministry that you have. Stay in your lane and fulfill your ministry. Don't be jealous about what someone else has. I love what Reinhard Bonker said to someone when they came to him after a, a meeting. This person said, please pray for me because I want your anointing. He said, I absolutely refuse. Get your own. And he said it this way. Your name is on your flame. And we need to realize that there's something that God gave us to do. And we don't have to do works to impress God. This verse is so liberating because it says, God already prepared those things beforehand. I can just walk in them because it is a race of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. So the second aspect of this race being prepared beforehand is that if the race is set before us, it also means there are predetermined rules. We should follow the rules of the race. I said it's a race of grace, but it has rules. Grace does not negate your obedience. Grace does not cancel God's commands. It empowers us to keep God's commands. It helps us to get forgiveness if we failed. And Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 5. He says, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. You see, you cannot run the race of life according to your rules. There's already a rule book. God is the judge. He's the referee. He's the lawmaker. And you need to follow his rules if you want to get the best of life, out of life. And he doesn't do that to spoil your fun. God makes rules so that you can get the best out of life. I remember when we were in primary school, we used to play cricket on the school grounds in the afternoon. And there was only one guy who had a bat and a ball. And he made the rules. You could bowl him out and catch him <laughs> at the same time. And he says, I'm not out. 
Then you said, you are out. He says, okay, then I'm taking my bat and ball. Okay, you're not out. <laughs> and in life, the bat and the ball belong to God. He also owns the playground. So it's better to follow his rules if you want the best out of it. And it's, it's, it's vitally important for us to uh, have discipline in a race. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul says, run in such a way. There's a specific way that you have to run, according to the rules. In verse 27, he says, I discipline my body. He says, because I don't want to be disqualified. So if God is the, the judge, if God is the referee, there's one thing you need to know. You never argue with the referee. Because you just make it worse for yourself. Because when you argue with a referee and he's given you spoken warnings, he has some other colorful ways of speaking to you. <laughs> and if you don't like that, he says, I have another color. <laughs> so it's better to stay within God's rules. The third aspect of this race being beforehand, prepared beforehand, because it's set out, there is already a goal, there's already a, a winning post. In Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul uses athlete speak here, and he says, I'm, I'm going for the prize. I have my eyes on the prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he says, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Paul knew where he was going. He had purpose in every step. Now, I, I, I need to tell you something about myself. I want to share with you my experience that I had of participating in cross-country running. Now, Maybe I should give you some advice first. If you're interested in taking up cross-country running, I would suggest start with a small country like the Vatican or Monaco. <laughs> but when I was small, or smaller, or, or younger, I soon realized that I am not really built for athletics. Because you need legs, <laughs> long legs. And, uh, you know, um, I looked at all the events and I started looking at what I could be good in. I kind of immediately ruled out long jump <laughs> and high jump. I even crossed running off my list because for every step the other kids took, I had to take three and surprisingly, I did very well in hurdles until they told me, you're not supposed to run underneath, you're supposed to jump over there. <laughs> so, uh, so I was quite surprised that one day on the notice board, there was my name on the cross-country team. And uh, I'll never forget, it was a Saturday that we went to this event. And we got into the school bus, and they, we arrived at this event, uh, and, and we, we ran our race, and uh, I, I didn't too well, do too well. I finished in, in plenty slurred place. <laughs> uh, 
But it's only when I arrived at the winning post that I realized the actual reason why I was chosen for this team. Because we were not the main event. So they loaded all of us onto a bucky, and they dropped the kids off at certain points. Because with a cross-country race, there's no marked-out course. You need pointers, so that's what we were. We were just the markers for the big guys. <laughs> it took me some years to realize that they used us. So in any case, I was dropped off. I was one of the last to be dropped off, and uh, it was close to the winning post in a kind of a wooded area. And when the, the person dropped me off, he said, it's very important, this is the last bend in the race, so we're putting you here. When the athletes come towards you, you must keep your arm out like that so that they can know they must run this way. Dropped me, and it took such a long time. I started practicing my poses. I thought, okay, I could do this, as he showed me, or I could go. <laughs> or I could go. <laughs> and after practicing those poses for a long time, I got bored. I sat down and... Nobody arrived, and I couldn't see anything. It was bushy, and I, I, I thought they'd forgotten about me. And then I heard a rustle through the bushes, and suddenly the leader of the race burst through the trees. And I got so excited because it was so boring. And when he came to me, I, towards me, I said to him, Go, go, go! <laughs> and he said to me, Where, where, where? I totally forgot what I was supposed to do. And I pulled out my best pose. <laughs> but he wasn't very impressed. Why? Because I broke his speed. He couldn't run with certainty. And let me say this. If you do not have a purpose in life, you cannot run with certainty. God wants you to live a purposeful life. You must know where you are going. And, and, and Paul was very clear about that. The next aspect of this race being prepared beforehand is the fact that we also know who our opponent is. And we must be familiar with the tactics of our opponent. Now let me immediately tell you, you are not competing against other people. That is not your uh, competition. Our opponent is Satan and his evil forces. Our common arch adversary. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, we do not wrestle. Here's another aspect that Paul uses about, about sports. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I like the message paraphrase. It says, this is not an afternoon athletic contest that we will walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. He says, this is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. So Paul knew this adversary and he also knew where to hit. 
And he says there, uh, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one beating the air. He says, I'm not shadow boxing, another translation says. He knew where to hit. You know, you go into any sports, you go onto any field, and you should have a game plan. You should know something about your opponent. Nowadays, most sport teams have technical advisors. They have people watching video clips of their opponents. They analyze those things, and they make sure that they understand everything about their opponent. I remember the infamous boxing match years ago between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. Anybody remember that, that boxing match? I, I remember I was in Italy, and I was watching that with, a, with another pastor on, on television, and we were so shocked when Mike Tyson actually bit the guy's ear <laughs> off. And I thought, the guy obviously didn't have a plan. <laughs> And then I realized, no, he did have a plan. That was part of his tactic. If you cannot beat them, eat them. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> he was disqualified. <laughs> but we must have a plan. Now, let me say this. We have an adversary who will use foul tactics. He will not play fair. But the good news is this. We have the best technique technical advisor in the Holy Spirit. He will help you. You will not have to be uh, uh, tricked by the devil. The Bible says we are, we are familiar with the devil's schemes, with the wiles, the strategies, and the tricks of Satan. Now, when you, when you read here in Hebrews 12, we can see that Jesus uh, actually was prepared for this race, and he was uh, aware of the fact that this is an obstacle race with all kinds of hindrances and hinderers. And if you look at that scripture there, you will see that he, there are at least three things that he overcame. He endured the cross, the cruelty of the cross. He endured and despised the shame and the hostility from sinners against him. So Jesus knew, and that's why we are encouraged in the next verse. He says, in this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So we need to be ready to face those obstacles. Don't get discouraged. A last thing that I want to mention about this race being bef uh, planned beforehand, it is actually a relay race. And you need to know the track, and you need to know there's a, there's a handoff zone in a relay race, and you need to be aware of that. Now, let me just, before I, I say more about the relay aspect, let me just say, we need to realize that we are involved in a team event. You're not running on your own. A relay race is a team event. No one can run in the Olympics as an individual. You must be part of the team of a country. Very few exceptions in history show us that independent Olympic athletes were allowed because their country might have been in political or constitutional transition. But we need to uh, participate as, as a team. I, I'll never forget, even before we had our new South African flag, I was ministering in Rio 
And uh, it was the first time we were allowed back into the Olympics. And I remember watching it, and, and we didn't have a flag. We had to participate under the Olympic flag. But I remember our uniform. I remember the athletes walking in with all those Madiba shirts. They all looked the same. And I felt so proud in my heart. And you know, that's the kind of feeling we as Christians should have. You need to be proud of your colors. Don't hide them. Don't come for a team talk on Sunday and in the week you join the enemy. (laughs) Be proud of the fact that you are a Christian. Participate under the flag of the kingdom. The Lord is our banner. Hallelujah. You know, in, in South Africa, we have different teams. We have the Springboks. We have the Pratias. We have Bafana, Bafana. We have Banyana, Banyana. And in the kingdom, we have Hosanna, Hosanna. That's our team. Amen. Hallelujah. By the way, I've often wondered why women... Not more women participate in a team sport like rugby. And I found the answer. Because they don't like for 14 other women to be dressed in the same outfit when you go into a public (laughs) forum. (laughs) Don't ever be shy of your colors. Display them proudly. Amen. Now, let me also say this. If we are a team... We need to look out for weaker team members. We need to support them. We need to encourage them. Not trample on them. You know, if you, if you go to a, a race, sometimes you see an athlete stumble and other athletes will either jump over him, jump on him, run around him, but they won't care about this, this person. Now, I heard a story. I don't know how true it is. It's probably an urban legend, but I'm going to tell it in any case because it will prove the point. It was the Special Olympics, and it was an event, a middle-distance event for people with Down syndrome. And so uh, they started the race, and very soon there was a leader. And as this leading athlete was negotiating the last bend of the race, he stumbled and fell. Now, under normal circumstances, nobody would stop for him. They would just go for the winning post. But in this case, everybody stopped when he fell. And they picked him up. And they brushed him off and they said, are you okay? And he said, yes. And so somebody must have said, okay, are we all ready? Let's go. And that's how they finished the race. And and for me, that's such a beautiful story, whether it's true or not. And I want to say this. Those people did not have Down syndrome. They had Up syndrome. And that's the kind of syndrome that we should have as Christians. When your brother stumbles, don't trample on him. Pick him up. Encourage him. We're running as a team. We need to support each other. Now let me come back to the the relay part of of this. We need to realize that um, in in Hebrews 12.1, it says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Again, the author is using the, the metaphor of Olympic stadium or a sports stadium, and he says, the bleachers are packed. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? It, if you go back to Hebrews 11, you'll find that it's the chapter dealing with the Old Testament heroes of faith. He says, they have finished their leg of the race. 
They watching from heaven's pavilions. They encouraging us. But they know that this is the time that, um, that the baton has been passed on to us. And that's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He knew he was in the handoff zone. He knew he had to hand over the baton. He says, the time for my departure is near. He gives a charge to Timothy to continue with the mission of preaching God's word. And I I said this in the first service, and I want to say this again. We so honor you because this church is an example of somebody who left a legacy, who passed on the baton. What a beautiful legacy. Amen. What are you going to leave as a legacy? Some people... When they die, leave a legacy. Others just leave a vacancy. (laughs) Success without a successor is failure. We need to make sure that we put the baton in someone else's hand, the next generation. Let me try and finish here. The third important lesson that we learn uh, in this passage is that this is a long-distance race. And it should be run without impediment. In this race, the critical factor is not speed, it's endurance. Some people set off at great speed, but then they burn out. And in Hebrews 12, 3, it speaks about Jesus who endured. And he says, we need to consider him, keep our eyes on him, so that we do not get weary and and discouraged in our souls. Because we need to finish strong. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the, the Olympic motto is in Latin, Citius Altius Fortius, which means faster, higher, stronger. And Pierre de Coubertin, who was the uh, founder of the modern day Olympics, borrowed this Latin phrase from a French preacher. <laughs> because in the, in the kingdom of God, that should be our motto. Faster, higher, stronger, not slower, lower, and flower. (laughs) We should finish strong. (laughs) We should run with endurance. And when we are weary, we need to draw from from God's strength. Uh, A little bit further in in, in Hebrews uh, 12, verses 12 and 13, the message says, Don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners, so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Hallelujah. So I I want to encourage you. The Christian race is not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. Pace yourself. Keep going. Last year, I actually pulled a hamstring during the Comrades Marathon. It was about an hour into the race. I jumped off the couch to get a Coke from the fridge. (laughs) But what impresses me about, about that race is so amazing is the endurance that people have. Sometimes people actually collapse. Have you seen that last stretch? 
in the stadium. They collapse and they crawl over the finish line. Some years ago, uh, uh, before professional sports, before you had sponsors and things, there was a guy who actually had 10 meters to go and he couldn't make it collapse and crawl over the finish line just to hear that he was disqualified because he was sponsored by Creepy Crawly. Let me encourage you. Even if you have to crawl, keep on going. Have you ever seen in long-distance races that you sometimes have a pace setter? It's an athlete that never intends to finish. He just runs ahead, sets the pace, and then falls out after two laps or so. And the Christian race, we have the Holy Spirit as our pace setter. And thank God, he never falls out. He's with you all the time. And he will guide you right to the end. So if you stumble, get up again. We all make mistakes. Don't give up. Go on. There was an athlete from Tanzania, John Aquari, in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. Ran the marathon and stumbled and had a very serious in- injury. Gashed his knee, dislocated the joint. Uh, hit his shoulder against the pavement, his head. They thought he, he would never finish. He actually got up. He could hardly walk. Sometimes walked, sometimes tried to jog. In fact, he was an hour after, more than an hour after the, the, the first uh, athlete crossed the line, he came into the stadium. The sun was already setting. People already left the stadium. There were a few people left, and they heard that there's one more athlete. And he came bloodied, uh, stumbling, limping, into the stadium, finished, and afterwards, people asked him, journalists asked him, John, why did you not give up when there was no chance of winning a medal? And he said, being from Tanzania, his words were something like this, my country did not send me 14 kilometers, 14,000 kilometers to start the race, they sent me to finish the race. God did not place you on this earth just to start the race. You need to finish the race. Draw your ability from God. I heard about another Christian marathon athlete who wanted to quit several times during the race because his body just couldn't take it. And and he kept on going. And when he had the stadium in sight, he actually turned to God and he said, God, I, I really cannot make it. There's the stadium. I need some serious help. If you will just lift my legs up, I'll put them down myself. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when you feel like that. When you feel, God, I cannot. And that's when we need to draw from His ability. When we need to say, God, just lift them up. I'll put them down myself. Finish the race. Don't take a shortcut, don't take a taxi. Like some of the guys did. Now, I said the race needs to be run without impediment. It says in Hebrews 12:1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. He says there are things that will weigh you down. Now look carefully at that at that scripture there. Uh, it says, lay aside two things: every weight and the sin. 
There are certain things that you might be involved in in life. Nobody can point a finger at you and say, you are involved in sin. But I tell you what, it becomes a dead weight in your life. It will weigh down your progress. It will slow you down. You will not be able to achieve what God wants you to do. Lay aside not just the sin, but the weight. In fact, the word train used in Hebrews 12 a little bit later uh, uh, is gumnatsua, where we get our word gymnasium from. And it literally meant to train naked because that's how athletes trained at the time. They didn't want anything to restrain them. And we need to spiritually lay down, strip ourselves from everything that will hinder us from finishing this race. There's only one marathon where I see the people not wearing proper clothes. It's the London Marathon where it's become fashionable to wear all kinds of fancy dress. Because, but those people aren't interested in medals. They run maybe for a charity cause. There's one guy who ran in a deep-sea diving suit that weighed 15 kilos. Also recorded the slowest time ever in the London Marathon. But he was not running for a medal. If you want to be serious, you need to strip off every weight. When you run the Comrades Marathon, you you dressed as lightly as possible because you need... A vest and shorts, when you hit poly shorts, you, you don't want to be dressed in a business suit. Let me f- try and finish. This race has a reward. There's a winning post. There's a prize. Even uh, Jesus had something to look forward to in Hebrews 12 too. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured all these things. Jesus had his eye on on the joy. I I believe the joy that Jesus saw included us. Because through his death, he would redeem us. So the race has a reward and we just need to keep our eyes on the prize. I found an interesting fact. Uh, You've heard of a steeplechase race? Did you know what the steeple in that phrase stands for? It refers to a church steeple. Because when the race started, it was a cross-country race. And what they did is they ran, and they always looked at the church steeple because that was the finishing line. They kept their eyes on the church steeple. I I find that quite interesting. Our eyes should be on the head of the church. Jesus Christ, consider Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith. In Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he speaks about the crown of righteousness that God has for him. Now look at that last phrase in that, in that verse because that is important. In an earthly race, there's only one winner. In the spiritual race, every faithful runner wins. Hallelujah. He says, this crown is not just for me only, but to everyone who loved his appearing. Let me get to the last lesson that we can learn from the scripture in Hebrews. This race has a champion as our example. Hebrews 12, 2. I like what it says. Jesus is the author. It means he started. It means he's the pioneer. He's the beginner. But it says he's also the finisher of our faith. 
And I like that scripture. It says, when he finished, he sat down at the right hand of God. You see, Jesus is so different to a winner of an earthly race. A winner of an earthly race goes and stands on the podium. And very soon, there's someone else on that podium. But Jesus sat down, and he can never be dethroned. He's the champion of all champions. He's the ultimate, undefeated, undisputed champion of the universe. And he's our example. He's our coach. (laughs) We train by the best. And we need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to finish with a story that happened somewhere in Europe in winter. It was at a school, and uh, the, the boys were bored because they couldn't play a lot of games. And one teacher said, let's, let's try a race, and uh, I'll give the winner a prize. So he says, okay, what I want you to do, I'm going to walk across the field, stand on the other side, and I want you to run towards me. And he said that... Um, It's not who arrives here first. I want to see whose steps, footsteps are the straightest in the snow. And that person will receive the prize. And some boys were running and they were looking at their feet, trying to make sure that they run in a straight line. Others were looking at at their friends next to them to, to make sure that they don't veer in either direction, veer off in either direction. But the boy who won had a very simple strategy. He went and looked at his teacher that stood across the field, and he ran, ran straight towards him, not looking at anything else. And that is what the author is trying to tell us here. He says, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I wish I could have shown you in the book of Hebrews, there are five different Greek verbs, five different places where it speaks about looking at Jesus. And it's not just a a, a passing glance. It's a fixed gaze. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't look at your adversary. You will be dismayed. Don't look back. You will be distracted. Don't look around at those that are stumbling. You will be disappointed. Don't look around at those doing better than you. You may be disgruntled. Don't look to yourself. You may be discouraged. But look to Jesus and you will be distinguished. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Let's give him all the glory today. He's the champion of all champions. Let's give the Lord a hand. He is worthy to receive all the glory, all the honor. We lift up our champion today. Come on. If people can go wild in a sports stadium, we can go wild about Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that we're privileged to be chosen in your team. And you do not choose failures. You only pick winners. We are champions because of the ultimate champion. We thank you that Jesus is our coach. I want to pray today, especially for those people that are weary. Those people that are at the point of giving up. And I thank you that right now, 
as they fix their eyes on Jesus, you will impart supernatural strength to them in a great and a wonderful way. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that has not started this race, that has not enlisted, that has not enrolled, that hasn't become part of the kingdom, that is not born again, that do not know Jesus as their captain, that they will make sure that they receive him. And Father, give us the courage to run this race with endurance so that when we receive the crown of righteousness, I believe that we will act like those elders around the throne and we will cast our, th- our crowns before you because you are the only one worthy of glory and honor. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me pray for you and then we can close. Lord, I pray for the people of God here. I pray that you will protect them this week, that you will undertake for them, that you will protect the things that you've given them, that you will restore their strength and that they will walk in fullness of life and run the race towards the goal. We dedicate them into your hands and into your protection as we go into this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.